All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us for another installment of the A Better Way to Pray series. Now, we are on lesson 11 tonight. Lesson 11. Now, the subtitle for our lesson tonight is Roadblocks to Hell. <coughs> Roadblocks to Hell. Now, I know last week we got into this some a little bit about intercession and how sometimes in our prayer time, you know, we we have an idea of, okay, there's there's been this question of how often do you pray for something? One time, multiple times, right? So we want to get into that a little more tonight in reference to just our practical application of when is prayer necessary for it to be, you know, once, twice, three times. If I'm praying for something for myself, if I pray a second and third time, am I praying in unbelief? If I'm asking, what's going on? Now, is it the same if we're talking about praying for others? All right, so let's get into that tonight. So our first scripture, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll start at... I'm going I'm to read the whole, I'm going to put it in context. Let's start at verse 1. And the focus text is verse 4. All right. I'm going to go old school King James on this one first. And it reads this way. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse 4. In whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, in looking at verse 4 in the Amplified, it says, Among them, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, looking at this verse, what level of deception, what type of deception does the enemy want to put out there for people? What is the, the main deception that he wants to maintain? He wants to keep them blind. Blind to? The gospel, the good news. Okay. Blind to that uh, <clears throat> Jesus is God's son and that uh, God does exist. There you go. That's right. That's right. Because the scripture says what? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? So what better way to do that on a temporal and 
eternal level than by keeping people blind to the very deliverance that our God has provided for us in the person of Jesus Christ. So we see what the MO is, is to keep people's mind blind to the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the question is now, okay, is he doing that in multiple ways? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's throw some out there. <coughs> how, what, 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 how, how, how many ways like this you can think of that people are being hindered from seeing the reality of the full gospel? I think the main thing now is culture. Okay. Culture. It's the culture. Like things have changed, you know, things are not the same 20 years so Culture. Um, what I mean by culture is the world adopts certain things as being okay, you know, which contradicts the word of God. So it's like culture, you know, well, this is my culture, this is my generation, we think this is okay. So therefore, I was watching a guy witness on the street and he was interviewing people and the majority of them said they were atheists and he would ask him one question he said well then as an atheist there's no God correct and they would say correct and he'd say so all this came from nothing and then they would say no and he'd say you believe that something can come from nothing and so he just asked him one question and you can see the lights going on and they were having a hard time answering it. And uh, it doesn't, I don't think it takes much to brainwash a lot of people. It seems like the higher educated they are, the more education they have, the more blind they are. Well, I think because it's so much, we've been inundated with so much information, so much stuff different. You know, this particular religion believes this, this one believes that, this one, this one. You know, so some people just say, well, you know what, I'm not going to believe nothing. It's just so much, I don't know what to believe, so therefore, they may take on, as you said, atheist, um, agnostic, you know, which means that I don't, I'm not sure, so I just, so therefore, they really don't really want to put themselves out there and say, I believe this, but if I'm wrong, then what? <clears throat> so they take a stance of being neutral or... In your case, you said, you know, no God. I mean, a lot of them were saying, no, there's no God. I mean, they were they were confident there's no God. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. All right, Kason, what you got? Sometimes the reason people that, uh, say they're atheists is because, number one, they have been praying for something. Let's, just for example, they might have been praying for their parents to be healed, and instead their parents died. They might have been praying for their kids to be healed, instead their, parent, their kids died. They might have been praying for God to help them be able to save their home, and they lost their home. And so then they get mad with God. Then they turn away from God. But And so that's why they say they're atheists. But truly, an atheist believe in God. It was just something that happened in the midst of the poor, the poor that person away from God. So that it, it it was the relationship that they had. It was built on hoping, hoping, or uh, or it was built on thinking whatever God God does everything. But they felt like their prayer can change something. But if it's in, they didn't understand that it's not my will, but Thy will be done. So they still love God because that's why they'll say when you, when you ask that question, they know who God is. 
They had that relationship. They just have a little bitterness in their heart. And so uh, for y'all to have that, that, that conversation means, number one, God is massaging that person's heart. Because believe me, atheists say they're atheists, but they're still praying to God. Well, and I think they, um, I think that it, it's our ignorance of, of the laws of the spirit that really makes a big difference as well. And that plays into people who, whether they're saying they're Christians or atheists or anything else, when they pray to God and don't get answers or don't get the answer they were expecting, um, they want to blame God, but they, they don't know how God works in this world and the, and the laws of the spirit that he has initiated to, to meet their needs. So God can answer with an amen. Yes, but they don't receive because they don't understand what, what his ways are. So it's an ignorance that God, uh, that Satan uses as well. Well, I also learned that, you know, if, if you believe in something Okay, say it didn't come to pass, and you say, okay, and, then I, and I've heard people say, well, you know what, I believe something, I lost my faith, but I believe this and didn't come to pass. Well, that lets me know that your faith was in the wrong thing. Okay, that lets me know, that's good that you lost your faith, because your faith was in the wrong thing, because your, your faith should be in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you put your faith in him. Okay, you know, and, you know, we don't know always know the reason why things don't come to pass, but we do know. What I do know is it is God's will to heal. It is God's will to deliver. It is God's will to set free. You know, the word tells us that. You know, but we can't always, maybe you can't always put your finger on why this didn't come to pass. You know, maybe you can't, you know, but when your faith is not rooted in the person of Jesus Christ and it's rooted in something else, then yeah, you're gonna lose your faith. That's good. I think too, you know, just kind of from kind of like what we're saying <coughs> is, um, you know, like it's saying, I was like reading over as you know we're talking to you know over and over verse four, um, and I was saying about you know Satan blinding the minds of them that don't believe with the light. I'm saying about the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who's the image of God, and it's beautiful. In other words, God is beautiful. He's all good. He's mm -hmm. great. And then Satan wants to make us think or make people, you know, humankind think mm -hmm. that he's a bad God. They were saying, you know, if your prayer didn't get answered, like Kaysen was saying, and if, you know, um, and like Mary was saying, you know, understand the laws, you know. But it could be anything. I mean, it could be like a healing, or it could be, like my personal testimony was I thought God was trying to take something from me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that just makes you go like, I don't believe in that God, you know. I mean, even if you're a believer in the sense that you believed on Jesus, sometimes it can go deeper, like, Believe in God for other things, I guess, if, if that goes, you know, if that's a, kind of like a, right. you know, I mean, it's still the relationship with God. It's like, you know, um, so lest, you know, we would, you know, who, you know, the glorious gospel of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine unto them, that we would be able to reap the benefits of, you know, who God is. But anyway, yeah, he, he you know, I thought about it, so he's been doing that from the beginning, though, you know, yeah. like telling, you know, Eve, it's like, he just, he's trying to take something from us. He's not a good God. Go ahead and eat that apple or eat that fruit, you know? Okay. Yeah. That's right. So uh, we've, we've heard a lot of things already identified then. All right. So we've talked about, we've, you know, case and identified bitterness. Mm -hmm. Bitterness is a means of deception. All right. And Eric, you, you said culture, and that's a big one. That's huge. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. All right. And then Jason Ju said that disappointment. Yeah. Bitterness, disappointment. And then you have you have the, the, the slander of character, as which we, we always identify here about is, is one of the major, major things that the enemies use from the beginning to keep people, you know, blind to the reality of who God is. Right, so there, there's a lot of avenues by which the enemy does he he's he uses to keep people blind to who Jesus really is. And another one we haven't really identified yet, what we've talked about all the time here is religion. Mm. Right. Yeah. All right. That's, Go ahead. Um, I just said I just wanted to say two points. I apologize. Um, you said something about faith. And so they 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 did not let God lean trust God, trust in his promises, and then they could not see it before they see it. And so, you know, and so that's that's why they, they had that thin line to say they're atheists, because they couldn't see it before they see it. You know, it says faith is the is the substance, is the evidence of the things. Ah. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Right. So you got to, you got to be able to see it before you can see it. So that means you got to be able to see it come to fruition in the, in the spiritual realm before it even comes fruition in the natural realm. And they couldn't see that. And, and, and so that was, that was one of that's sometimes it's one of the things. And then they get twisted up in religion. Jesus didn't come for religion. He, he came and said repentance because the kingdom of God is at hand. He he was trying to bring as many souls into the kingdom of God. He was showing them what who God is and the power of God. Mm -hmm. right. You know, not not religion, but the power of God and who God is. And God has everything that you need, and He He can supply all your needs. Right. Let me let me um let's go to Romans twelve. Let's go to Romans twelve. We we can read very very familiar passages of scriptures one and two, but I want to look at some a couple of translations that we don't really. I'm gonna read it from the the passion and then the amplified. All right. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Beloved friends, what should should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. And, and live in holiness, experiencing all the delights all that delights his heart for this becomes your genuine expression of worship verse two stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the holy spirit through a total transformation of how you think this will empower you to discern god's will as you live a beautiful life satisfying and perfect in his eyes now, in Amplified verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed 
as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. So when we talk about culture, right, that is a major vehicle by which the enemy uses to blind the, the, the heart, the hearts and the minds of people is culture. Because you, and you can see how strong of a, a, a pull that culture has. Just think about your own families, our own families, right? In our workplaces, our friend groups, our communities. Right? When we talk, you know, you could have a community of people, families go to the same church, sitting under the same leadership, right? But when life issues come up, decisions have to be made. Mm -hmm. Then sometimes what the, the family influence, the community influence, the culture of the environment yeah. has a stronger pull than what's supposed to be the spiritual conviction, right? Yeah, they talk about it. It's the, like the seven pyramids of influence. Isn't that what it's called? Like where it's entertainment and then seven, seven mountains. Seven mountains, mountains of influence, yeah. Seven mountains, I'm sorry, of influence where like, you know, it's true if the, the society's not godly, then, you know, like literature and movies and entertainment, it influences you, you know, for the wrong. Yeah, and, and see the, the, the mountains, I know people have bashed the you know some people have bashed the whole concept but you know regardless of how you couch it there these there are spheres of influence in, in our lives that impact how we think yes. Yes. and the bottom line is how you think is going to interpret how you feel and how you eventually act right yeah. that that is all these things intertwine <laughs> You know, so the, all these things are intertwined. So if 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 you're trying to introduce a way of thinking, or you're trying to provoke a certain line of behavior, what do you do? You get to the thoughts. Mm -hmm. How do you think about a certain thing? How do you look at a certain issue? Right. Yeah. So this is why these these things these areas are so they're so vital. And see, and the thing about it is, you know, we we, you know, we fought about this type of stuff in the church about what level of involvement do we have in these spheres yes. of influence, yeah. right? And all of us have our proof text mm -hmm. to, to support our points, mm -hmm. right? So those who believe that you ain't supposed to have nothing to do with that, with the world and these spheres of influence, they'll say, you know, touch not the unclean thing. Come ye out of them, right? You know, Second Corinthians, they'll go there. But on the other side, Jesus says, What? You are the salt and light. You are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill, not to be hidden, right? How are you going to do that if you're, you know, locked in a box? You know, you're not yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. But see, and, and see, and, and the trouble is, we, you know, <coughs> it's not that one part is true and one is not true. It both, it's both the word, but it's the application of it. Because you can be in the world, 
but not otherwise a difference. Yeah. Because you can you can allow your gift to, to flow in in the artistic world. Yeah. And not have the artistic world, the the view of that culture su suppress and oppress you and dominate your thinking. I was very thankful just as a testimony kind of to that kind of intertwined. Um my education that I did growing up, I know y'all know, but maybe just listen, it was um um I did a a Judeo-Christian based like curriculum in my homeschooling and mom homeschooled me and in that it was a Christian based literature like you know each year especially in high school and a lot of the times you know the like the footnotes and stuff they they even had like I guess you say secular like stories they had to put in there for you like future credits like Greek mythology things like that but they would always put a spin like you know think of the godly you know the um and the idea the aspects in here and stuff and if something selfish was done think about what happened to that character and could have been better if they did it this you know and it was always the christian you know it was the bible and the word interlaced in there and then they would talk about it you know the beginning of each book you know each class i took on that you know literature would be this is an example you know entertainment or literature that literature should shape you know shapes a society and i know Wow, you know, I think it's cool when, you know, Christian um, companies, like movie-making companies, get in. Mm. You know, there's, sometimes some people would never step in a church, you know, but they could watch a movie, mm -hmm. and they could see, you know, that Jesus loves them, or, you know, it, it, it's awesome, you know. So we have to be in there, you know, right. culture. Right, because the bottom line is, there's more to life than sitting in that church pew. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what do you think changed the... Uh, I know what changed me or, or what molded me more than anything else. And I wasn't in conversation. I would just hear adults talk. And I would hear somebody make a statement. And that would, that would affect me. I remember one time there was a guy. Uh, uh, there, I heard two people talking. They were saying, yeah, he goes to church every time the doors are open. But that, that man's like the devil himself. And I mean, little comments like that. As you're, And I was a little kid growing up. And I kept hearing comments like that about people from, you know, I wasn't in the conversation, just listening. And I eventually tuned God out, thinking, well, nobody else thinks very highly of him, you know? And I just I kind of tuned him out until I got to a certain age. Well, my exact is, I experienced what you experienced, but then I guess what helped me is that as I saw our father and mother living out. So I saw, you know, the corruption, and I heard, and I heard things, people say different things, this and that. And it's not that they were perfect, but I saw them live it out. So I, they gave me a good example of what it's supposed to be. I saw what it what, what it's not supposed to be, but when I looked at them, I saw what it was what it was, and that's like okay. I saw them make mistakes, but I saw them get it right. This and that's like okay. So, but yeah, I saw that people talk about it. I saw people in the church that was like, oh my gosh, this is. <laughs> This is what it's supposed to be like, but then, but but they were my examples. So when I looked at them, I said, okay, I see what it's supposed to be, and I see what it's not supposed to be. So I had a picture of both. So I didn't have any example whatsoever. My dad had just come back from the war, and he was treating himself for PTSD by getting drunk every day, and uh, mm -hmm. he was killing, stealing, and destroying. I'm telling you, <laughs> and uh, uh, I just had no example at all. And the people that I knew that went to church, they weren't any different than I was. Right. And they were going to church, going to confession, and I'd meet them on the street corner, and we talked the same, we thought the same. You know, they weren't any different than I was, and I would think, man, why would I want to go 
spend an hour or two every week and it's, it don't mean anything, you know? I'm thankful I had one half, I'll say, of my raising, you know, which was my name. Actually, she raised me, my mom. And even though, like, that story of twisted stuff with religion and church and things were, you know, testified before, but I do remember an example when, you know, Eric and her saying that you saw it, you know, right. it was lived in front of you. I had a moment, like, a couple of years ago, probably two or three years ago, I was going through a lot, and mom was recommending me, she's like, you know, I was getting to the point where I could read a Bible, yeah, I, would, I went through a fear stage where I wouldn't even read a Bible, I was so scared, I was scared he was going to take something from me, and she's like, I started reading, but I still was, I, this may sound weird, but anyway, I was scared to hold a Bible to me, I don't know, it was something I went through, and I'm sitting on my bed, and mom's like, hold the Bible to you, and I almost didn't, and I was just sitting there, and I go, wait, you didn't take this from mom, you're going to take this from me, you know, whatever, harsh desires and stuff, and it started something, yeah. but I knew through her, you know, and it was like, Wow, an example, you know, personal there. You know. That's good. Now, see, now getting back to what we were talking about with prayer, right? Now, somebody that came up in the same scenario Gene did, right? What type of prayer would he he need? Think about it. The, the enemy's MO is to blind people's minds to the reality of the gospel. Now, you a kid growing up to the adolescent years, all you're hearing about is these hypocritical church folks. Mm -hmm. you, you watch 2020 or whatever, and you hear about televangelists such and such getting busted for such and such. And, and all such. they want is money. Is all they, all this yeah. junk. Yeah. All, the, all of the negative propaganda that the enemy can pull yeah. to put in front of this person's face to keep this in manifestation here, right? Now, if this is going on day after day, would this person need prayer on a continual basis? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because as a free moral agent, we have the ability to do to do what? Right. Choose your own will. Okay. Right. So in that scenario, then, if the enemy's M.O. is to keep this person blind, we know the Lord's will is for all to be saved, all to come to repentance. So if this is my co-worker, my cousin, my brother, then what is my position? What can I do? Obviously, actually present the gospel. First and foremost, mm -hmm. but what else? Intercede on your behalf. There you go, and and, and intercede yeah. how? We're we're intercessors, you know. So and so when we intercede on others' behalf, when we go to God, we're going to them on that person's behalf to, for God to for God to open up their heart, for God to to you know to be able to massage their heart, to let for God to remove. The scales, I call them scales, because you know when you're blind, it's like you got scales on your eyes, just like you know Saul was on the road to Damascus. So we're asking God to 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 open up their heart, open up their spirit, and for them to be susceptible to what we're about to say. But also at the same time, while we're interceding for that person, we ask we're interceding on God. You know, I'm gonna stay in. I'm gonna stay in the middle and. And what that means is I'm going to be in the middle. 
He is the he is the enemy and he is the person. And when the enemy try to move towards the person, I'm gonna begin. I'm, I'm I'm interceding so he can't get to him the way he want to get to him because we're we're doing intercession for that person. While God is also working with that person, and, and while God is opening up that person, that's good. That's good. That's good. Now, what came to mind when Casey was talking? I was thinking about Second Corinthians three. So let's go there. Second Corinthians three, because we talked about how religion can be used as a way to blind the mind, right? To the to the reality of the gospel. Second yeah. Corinthians three, and that's I'll start at verse twelve. Alright. I'll read this in the Amplify. It says Since we have such a glorious hope and confident expectation, we speak with great courage. And we are not like Moses. Who, you, who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites would not gaze at the, at the end of the glory which was fading away. But in fact, their minds were hardened, for they had lost the ability to understand. For until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed only in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil of blindness lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So now you see how you can get wrapped up in the law to such a degree that it, it, it keeps you from seeing the reality of the gospel. Now you can you can you know pull this out into the into a, a context where we talk about making that shift from resting in God's grace to works righteousness. Like yeah, Jesus gets you saved, but once you get saved, it's up to you to do X Y Z. Yeah. Right. So that person, yeah. They trust the Lord for their salvation, but if you get caught up in law keeping and that law is being continually preached, it can turn into a hardness. Yeah. And, and, and you begin to trust in what? Yourself mm-hmm. instead of, of what instead of what grace has provided. Now, what is that verse that keeps on the mind? I've been learning, but never able to come to the knowledge, knowledge of the truth. Knowledge of the truth. Mm-hmm. And know that it kind of fits in there. You know, always learning something. And it's just trying to block you from the actual truth. Because you keep. Yeah. Yeah, I know it. I can't remember what it's like. Second Timothy, yeah. Right. And, and, that's, and that's funny because how, you know, that the context of this is talking about the last days. You know, the, the, the character of the, the mass of people is going to be in the last days. And then you get down to verse 6 and 7. And in the New King James it says, Of these sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, 
led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What scripture was that? I couldn't hardly hear you. That's Second um, Timothy 3, <laughs> verses 6 and 7, looking at that whole context of, of chapter 3. So, religion and law-keeping. Now, we're talking about intercession. We're talking about prayer, right? How do I pray for somebody who's, who's stuck in works righteousness? That's my friend. That's, that's somebody I care about. But you see that the law is just is, is breaking them down. How do I pray for that person? Give me tongues. Oh, that day. That, 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 well, we, we can move on. That, that's no, that's no one answer. That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. There you go. That's good. Mr. He knows what the person needs, you know. So, well, I waste my breath. Yeah, but that I would, um, also, you know, just uh, pray to God, I would take the blind up so they can see the gospel of Jesus Christ for what it is. You know, they just call it law keeping. Pray to God, I would um, take the blind so they can see Jesus as the center of what this is all about. Mm -hmm. And cast down any strongholds right. that you might that might be right. So it's cool to hear because I thought over and over about myself like 10, 15 years ago and I go, it would have took prayer, and it did. Somebody was praying for me, I know. But I was like, anybody came up in my face and said like, this is, you know, grace and whatever. I've been like, like Andrew Womack listening to him, I've been like, that's a heresy, you know, 15 years ago. 20 years ago, I've been like, heck nah, you know. So I'm like, God, you know, how do you pray? You know, so this, is, this is good to, to know. But I love the fact this um, because... You know, I mean, before, you know, if you somebody wasn't saved or something like this and you prayed and, and they didn't get saved, then, you know, the answer, was, well, maybe, the answer was, well, maybe you didn't have enough faith. Well, maybe you was praying wrong. Well, maybe it's not. Versus this, and he, he opened up the understanding that, hey, okay, through that scripture we just read, he really had blinders on. And I like the way he said, okay, you may have to pray more than once um, because that person can reject your prayer. They can, they can be like, you know, okay, not, not that God is not working, but as they, God begins to deal with them, they can say, you know, what is this thing? I, they can reject what you're praying, so you may have to pray more than one time. As Casey said, intercede. You may have to intercede more than one time, you know. And so that lets me know, okay, well, because a lot of times we may think, okay, well, it's not working. So then you get in condemnation. You be, as Judy said, then you get in work right there. Well, maybe we're not praying hard enough. Maybe we're not praying long enough. Mm -hmm. You know, and so now I'm getting back into law keeping, like prayer. I got, I prayed an hour, didn't worry, let me pray two hours. You know, I prayed in tongues an hour, and they pray in tongues two hours. Then when you look and at then, the God that only prays 15 minutes, <laughs> you're condemning him. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. therefore, you know, but this lets us know, okay, yeah, it's not that your prayer is not working, but they can reject it. So you may have to keep going, you know, just interceding for them and interceding for them. And, you know, you, you can get a breakthrough. Now it's possible you may not get a breakthrough. Because once again, they can continue to reject it. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that God is not working, or it doesn't mean your prayer is not working. Yeah. Because I've learned that sometimes, you know, you can pray and people get worse. 
before they get better. It can, yeah, it can look like that. You've ever seen four and now working on them, then they just like gracefully broken. Yeah, so it's like, man, mm-hmm. people begin to get worse and worse because hey, God's dealing with them, so yeah, and God's working in a lot of people that it's not apparent. Uh, I was I was mainline drug user into pornography into everything, and I couldn't talk bad about God. When somebody made a joke about God, it bothered me, and uh, uh, He was working in me the whole time. I didn't know it, and uh, I remember the first time I started feeling bad about something, and I never felt bad before. Like when I committed sin, I was kind of happy that I was able to do it, and all of a sudden it got to the place where I didn't sin wasn't becoming fun anymore. And was God working in me? And wasn't anybody around me talking to me? Because I didn't know any Christians. I don't think I ever met one. And uh, and and then the night He saved me. I mean, I was I was saved in seconds. I mean, I was a sinner one minute, and when I woke up the next morning, I was different. I'm mean, I just completely, totally, absolutely different. And nobody led me to the Lord or nothing. The Holy Spirit just came over me and did something in my heart. But He helped me. Like buttons already open. We were talking mm-hmm. about uh, praying, how to pray, I think, a couple of, and I know he, he said, okay, ask God what to pray for. Yes. Sometimes, yes. you know, we just, because yeah. sometimes you get a routine, just pray for the same thing, which is nothing wrong with that. But then when I begin to do it, it's like my prayer, like what you're holding another level now. It's sometimes. like, okay, because like now Paul said, okay, what do you want me to pray for? And after a few minutes, he drops things in my spirit and I pray for him. So it's not like, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, let me pray for the same thing. I got to pray for this, got to pray for this. And now yeah, you're not like, praying for your new pool table. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's like now it's like, okay, I'm trusting him to, okay, drop something. Okay, who I pray for? What I pray right. for? And right. then I find myself praying for stuff I never prayed before. Because you give him the opportunity to say, okay, since you ask me. And then he'll give you the desires of your heart. Right. Because you're not asking for him. You're, right. you're praying for what his desires then he starts adding to your desires. Right, exactly. So yes, right, okay, it goes to a whole nother level. Now it's like more intimacy in it because it's like, okay, I'm not just being mechanical. And even though like I said there's nothing wrong with that cram certain things every day. Just you know, But now it's like, okay, I'm trusting him to give me something mm-hmm. that I didn't think that I wouldn't think on my own. And so, the relationship and right. he knows what the other person is thinking doing and if I was just saying that sometimes like she had something that uh, was about a year or so ago and she was right in the middle she goes God told her just leave him to me that was all she she'd been praying to me so leave him to me mm-hmm. and then later on you might have you know pray more but if you hear him but something it, I mean that's something he'll tell you all the time yeah we're not listening he knows exactly it's true what we need and I was gonna say too just as a testimony I was it's funny because we were talking about this this week. Mom and I were, I said the other day, I go, when I was scared to death of God, like people, like three, three and a half years ago, people would have looked at me, which some waste that, like, you know that. You know? And it was like, but then I know there were people who were praying, and I know they were praying with God, you know what she needs, you know, whatever. But I know, like, in my heart, I know a lot probably thought nothing was happening, including my mom, like, right you know she's mm-hmm. lost whatever she's doing her own thing and like they didn't know like in my heart oh, decent. You know, in my heart like, like i would have the quiet voice of god tell me these things like just special things that he like customized knew i needed to hear and even in those moments like i was so 
I mean, I was literally like traumatized, terrorized, ter terrified of God. Not to give like glory to that, but that's what I was. But God knew He needed that gentleness of like touching my shoulder and going like, "Listen, this is what I meant. That's not what I meant." And I would be like, and I'd want to like accept it at first. I'd be like, "Okay, all right, moving on." You know, I don't want to hear this because I was scared. But the more He did it gently, the right times, it softened my heart. And I go, "God knows exactly what we each. Mm -hmm. It's so amazing what we each person needs." If the Lord saved me, I would hear on the street that somebody started going to church, right? Mm -hmm. I'd call them. And, and I'd say, this is Gene. And they'd say, Gene who? And I'd tell them, and they'd say, what are you calling me for? I said, I heard you going to church. I said, yes. Yeah. I, I said, happened to me too. And they go, who's this? <laughs> I said, Gene. They said, Gene, Gene no, no way. Not, not you, man. I said, yeah, miss me. People wouldn't believe me when I tell them. I said, no, the Lord saved me. And, and it was just, uh, everybody, <laughs> they'd laugh at me when I tell them. They thought I was joking with them. Let's mm -hmm. see what type of testimony that is, right? Because you can argue, you can argue thou shouts and all this type of stuff. You can argue doctrine, but you can't argue that living epistle. I'm like, man, I used to shoot up with this guy. We used to go to the to the to the you know strip clubs with this dude. We rolled some eight balls together, and he yeah, talking about really? Jesus now. He talking in different languages. What in the world is going One on? One guy used to come to my house. He'd open the front door because I never locked the door, and he'd take his hat off and he'd throw his hat in and he'd yell in, "Gene, is it still real?" And I'd say, "It's not an it, man. It's a him." And yeah, he's real. And he'd come in and talk to me. But, and he ended up, he was, a, he was a heroin addict. He ended up dying in a car wreck. But those guys would come around for a while. And then after they saw I was the real deal, then they didn't want nothing to do with me. And after that. Mm -hmm. And you knew who, who was behind that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, yeah the enemy didn't, didn't want them to get too close to that living epistle. Because right. something was going to happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, just pulling some statements from my outline. It says, since lost people have the right to avoid our prayers, we, we may need to pray several times, as we've said. And God may convict them, but if they ignore the Holy Spirit's prompting, they've negated our prayers. Unlike praying for ourselves, we need to keep praying for an unbeliever until we see the manifestation. Okay. Now, can we extend this to believers that are going through things as well? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God has answered our prayer, but they are negating it by not responding to him. All right. All right. Next point. After binding the blindness and deception over them, we need to remember that unbelievers must be born again of the incorruptible seed of God's word. Right. So the prayer and the presentation of the incorruptible seed. Right. So it, it's a tag team effort. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. All right, and the next point, as we talked about last, last week, we should pray Matthew 9 and 38 and ask for labors to be sent to them. God wants to reach them, but he must flow through people. Go to Romans 10.
start at verse 9. Let me go down to verse 17. It says, in New Living Translation, it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. So how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how can someone tell them unless they be sent? So you see, you know, how that in the intercession, what the what Andrew is talking about here, the way, the way things are connecting, right? Praying for laborers. So opportunities. And, you know, it may not be their coworker or their sister or brother, it may be a billboard. Mm -hmm. It may be a pop-up ad on, on an app. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a movie, maybe a song. It comes to light what we're saying, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, anyway, getting it out there. <laughs> but, but see, that can't happen if all, all the Christians are at the church. Yeah. For, for 16 hour prayer meetings every day. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I understand. I've been in ministries like that where yeah. we intercede, but nobody went out. Okay, well, let's pray for the neighborhood, but we got to go in the neighborhood and share the gospel because, you know. And you pray for the sick, but all the sick are in your church. You don't go out in the neighborhoods and pray for the sick. <laughs> you pray for the sick that are under that roof you're in. Right. Mm. That's saying something. <laughs> so like we said a couple weeks ago too, you know, where Andrew would talk about the, the intercessory ministries and stuff where they'll go spend thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to go to another country and just pray over the country instead of sending missionaries in. Yeah, I mean, it's important to pray. To open the gates. Just praying. Yeah, instead of doing both, like, you know, praying and, you know. I, I met a group of people one time where they prayed over corn, seeds of corn. And they traveled all around the, the all around Europe and planted those seeds in the, in the dirt, thinking that they were doing something for God. And then they came back and said, that, you know, that was their deal. And I thought, maybe you'd be better off if you're on the street talking to people, you know, or, or whatever. We're reaching out to farmers, right? And ministry. Right. We're going to give you all this. Open you know? gates. Mm -hmm. gates have been, Jesus opened everything. Okay. It's going and talking to people. We were under ministry. And sharing yes. the Right. With them. Right. So, you know, and, and we talked about that last time, you know, and it's like, yeah, there are pockets of influence where certain types of 
you know, <coughs> spiritual activity and more prevalent. You know, you can you can name any big city and there's there's a, a certain type of manifestation of sin that you can think of. Yeah. Right. Yes. So, you know, that whole oh, so you know, to to try to shoot down that concept, you're not you kinda ignoring what's what's evident. But what you said before, you know, we, we can't downplay the authority that we have. Yeah. And that's in and, and you know, that's the the balance of like try recognizing what the wiles of the enemy are and knowing the right strategy of how to resist and how to, you know, fight back, right? Because the reality is, what did Jesus say about the, his church? He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. But, but now, if I don't believe that, if I haven't heard that, and I just, you know, and I just look at what the circumstances say, and I just look at what the news say, then I, I'm going to be in trouble. We're going to be in trouble. Because the, the, the experience can deceive me from what the truth is. Yeah, you know, like Mom and I were talking about it today, like different sins, like how sometimes in church settings it'll be, well, this sin puts you further away from God, or this sin and that. And then I got to thinking, you know, we were both talking about it. You know, I was like, love conquers all. Love never fails. You know, in First Corinthians 13, you tell somebody, no matter what they're doing, God loves them and it reaches them. Everything else is just going to, you know, springboard off of that, you know. They realize who they are. They realize who God is first and who they are in Christ when they accept Him. And, you know, they'll start living a better life anyway, naturally. They realize that because remember, that's one of the deceptions too. You did something wrong. God still loves you. No, no, I think you're right. And they fight against it. Yeah. Are you showing me? It's like, God, he cares about what you're doing, but he cares more about you than what you're doing. It's the, yeah. That'll come. He cares about you. <clears throat> Once you realize how much he loves you, it's a balance. I would have people call me on the phone and say, I'm terrible, I did this, God's cut me off. And I, I'd say, are you kidding me? I said, does God know everything? They said, yeah. I said, you think he knew this was going to happen in your life? Ten years ago when you got saved? Well, yeah. He saved you anyway, didn't he? Well, yeah. I said, why don't you just accept the fact that he loves you and he knew you were going to yeah. screw up. Yeah. But he loves you and forgives you anyway. Why don't you just accept that and go on? And and just a lot of people have a hard time with that. It's simple, but they have a hard time with it. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, which I was saying is huge because you don't hear that. Yeah. No. Because there are certain things, you know, and... There's certain things we hear people do, we just cringe. You know, and I would get that. But to have the ability to say, okay, well, God still loves you. I know you did this. You know, because the bottom line, and I think all of us, there's certain things we just think, people, some people, it's unforgivable. Mm -hmm. Can't come back from this. Not this. No way. And, and, you know, and society paints that picture. There's no way in the world you can come back from this. How dare you do this? <laughs> and God still loves you, like what y'all saying? It's like, are you kidding me? Really, yeah. really? And so, well, to bar, but to tell somebody he that he it's me. really, he love me. yeah, it's really. Oh, for those who can break sick and embrace it, it's freeing. It's like absolutely. You mean tell me I did this, and though everybody around me, and he knew, you. he knew you were going to do that. Right. The day he received you and loved you into the kingdom. Right. He knew, but now you get to a place where 
you're doing it and you can't forgive yourself. Right. You're having a hard time. You're having a hard time believing that he can let this let go to repent, you know, that he can forgive you. And then when you realize the root of why God doesn't want you to sin, like the main, to me, the main reason is him being a father. It's to protect you. It's to protect, yeah. Exactly. Protect you, right? I struggled with that like so bad. It's been about three years ago. I was just, like I said, one of my testimonies I've said here, but anybody who didn't hear it, it was like, I was like, God, you know, I was told, don't do this, but do this. And then this is, I mean, like, it'll drive me crazy almost. And I'm sitting quiet in my office and have anything to do between customers, dead in the mall, and sit back there. And then I just heard, like, I heard God say, like, he grabbed my shoulder and goes, focus on life, focus on flourishing. And I have a sticky note where I wrote that down somewhere in my personal thing. I go, he was just trying to show me, it's like, if I said don't do it, it's because it's going to hurt you. It's because I care about you. And, you know, I even thought about it one time, and this is just something I thought about. God, I was asking God, like, a couple years ago, like, what about abominations, you know? Because some things you mentioned are really harsh about the Old Testament, even though he doesn't deal with us like that anymore. But I was like, God, what's up with that? And then I kind of felt like God was showing me, it's like, um, as a, you know, I'm not a parent, but like when parents, some things they'll kind of spank you over, like that aren't as bad, that won't hurt you as bad. But then like if you go to run out in the middle of the road or touch a hot burner, it's like, no, I'm going to spank you. It, you know, like we know he had to deal with us differently in the Old Testament because we don't understand the heart yet. Like Andrew teaches, that's a whole tangent. But it was like, you know, he was you know, trying to say that will hurt you, but that will really hurt you, you know. And right. then I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> but it's not taught that way. Right, right. But if you do something terrible and you go to God and say, do you know what I did? He would say, I know what you did 20 years ago. <laughs> exactly. It's like, say it's no shocked. surprise. I'm not, I'm not shocked. <laughs> yep. And I just, you know, minister messes. Sorry about you know because people say you know only God can judge me and and when they say that they're saying well, don't say nothing about what I'm doing right and but Paul talked right. about he's the word admonish which means to warn and I like what she was saying to warn or to urge or it says hey it's like somebody going to the edge of a cliff you're gonna warn them wait a minute and this is what God does so even as brothers in Christ we warn our brothers and sisters Okay, you're getting close to the edge. You can, as Judas said, you're going to hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to protect you. So we go to them and, and not judge them in the world, but admonish them. It says, you ain't heading toward dangerous territory. What you're doing is very dangerous. You're going to hurt yourself. And you open the door for the enemy to destroy you. And if you don't make a U-turn, okay, you gonna, it's going to be destruction. You're going to hurt yourself. I mean, you're going to bring it on yourself. Yeah, yeah. the enemy's going to hurt you. And so... It's just to warn them, you're heading the wrong direction. Right. That's you know? true. Because the, the image I'm getting, right, of you driving down a road, okay? Now, you know, if when you're going in a certain direction, you have a destination. Let's say your destination is, is Chicago. You come, you, you driving from here, okay? There are certain signs that you're going to see, that you're going to cross as you are going across this path. Now, you're going in a proper direction. That that number for Chicago is going to start to get smaller and smaller, right? It'll be like Chicago, 700 miles something. You keep driving down that road, Chicago, 520. Chicago, 300. You make a wrong turn. You'll start to see some other cities on the, the guideposts that you see. 
you still may see Chicago, but that number is going to get bigger. Mm-hmm. And the further you stay on that wrong road, you can get to a point where you don't see your destination anymore. Right. You're seeing other cities. So you, you're, you're still in the car, but you're so far away from the destination that you, you know, it's, it's no longer on the road. It's, it's not on the radar. Now, what intercession can do mm-hmm. in that situation, right, is to get a person to, maybe they'll have a, they'll get hungry at a certain time, really hungry, and they'll stop. They go into the restaurant, and then they ask, hey, man, I'm trying to get to Chicago. Where, where am I? Mm-hmm. Like, bro, you in there going at you in, in Jackson, Mississippi. West Podunk. <laughs> you in Jackson, Mississippi. You you need to take I, I such and such to get back towards Chicago. And your 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 intercession is making make that divine you know it help provoke that divine connection right. to get this person back on the right road. Did you ever drive on ninety five towards Florida and see the signs for south of the border? They start advertising south of the border, like in another country, I think. And you keep seeing them, and you think, thinking, I'm never going to get there. There's just signs. There's no south of the border. There's just signs. That's all. <laughs> so it's, it's true. There's some south of the border. I live in the Carolinas. <laughs> well, I mean, I've been there several times, but that they, they sometimes they'll say south of the border, 480 miles. And I'm thinking, I don't need to know nothing's 480 miles away. But that's kind of, that's a good picture of, of our relationship with the Lord and eternal life, yes, too. Yes, that's is. what people say as well. I, you know, maybe someday, but, but um, it's not real important to me right now. You know, live for what I can get now. <laughs> I don't realize that that dash in the middle has an ending, has an ending date. And they think that you know, they, that, that ending date is long out. And so, but they don't know the time nor date or the hour. And so they need to, they need, they, like y'all were saying, they, need, they say, I need to get it right. But God would, God would send us as we're interceding, you know, or, or when we wake up in the morning, because my prayer is, God, you lead me to who you want me to talk to. And then you guide, you guide and come out my tongue and out my mouth what you want me to say to them. And then I, you know, and we know that every the ones that he leading God us to, he has already been touching their hearts. Sometimes we're gonna be the ones to help plant the seed. I may be the I may be the one that plant the seed and then each one of you gonna come along and water the seed. Mm-hmm. So you know, so we 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 we're like the farmers. We plant the seed, and we may not never see it come to fruition, because somebody else gonna come along and water that seed, mm. and water that seed, and water that seed. Yeah. Until it sprout up. Yeah, and then somebody has somebody to to pull the harvest. Yeah. Right. 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 But that that harvest, there was a lot that went into it that we don't you don't see. That's right. So that's good. Mm. All right, now I'm I'm gonna go to our outline, and we're gonna go to a. I don't know if it's controversial, but we'll 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 get to this. Let's go to John chapter twenty. <laughs> All right. 
John chapter 20, and, and we are going to, let's start with, I'm going to start at verse 19, and we're going to go down to verse 23. Okay. And we're reading this in the old school King James. It says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he shewed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Verse 23. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Now, I'll outline one of our last points. It says, We can't receive forgiveness for someone else's sins, but we can't remit them. Right? So, you can't confess and pray to say prayer of salvation for somebody, right? But we can remit sins. Now, when you hear that word remit, that's not a word that we use, right? So in this context, what are we looking at here? Andrew says that you could ask that if they're saying sexual sin, that consequences of that sin could be avoided. Mm -hmm. He used the example of a sexually transmitted disease or mm -hmm. okay. and he is the only person I've ever heard teach this that, that yeah. way. Mm -hmm. okay. So really so we're talking about remittance being the effects of sin. Mm -hmm. Right. Now <coughs> looking at Thayer's Definition, all right. First point, first one says to send away, to bid going away or depart, to send forth, yield, to expire. Point two, to permit, allow, not to hinder, to give up a thing to a person. Verse to, number three, to leave or go away from one, to depart from one. So think about that and then read this again. It says, whosoever sends you remit, they are remitted unto them. Send away. To go away. To send, send forth. To let go. Alright. So you see how. You see where that in, in interpretation comes from. Right. When you look at the Greek. Okay. Alright. Now this, this, this is a very. Strong. Scripture. Right, in speaking into the authority that people have in prayer, right, and the the authority of a local body of people gathering together and, and praying for one another and praying for loved ones of, of those in that body, right. See and see and what people don't understand see if this this type of understanding that we we actually have a certain this level of authority in our prayer life right 
we would take this stuff more seriously. Mm. But if you, you know, if you just marry had a little lamb prayers, flipping coins, it may happen, it may not. The the the, the impetus, the, the desire, to the, the motivation to do it, it's not gonna be the same. But if you know so you could you could your prayer can be used to save somebody's life. Makes it a little more serious. More and more impactful, right? Going back to my outline, it says remittance here speaks of the effects of sin. We can't stop sin or pray forgiveness over someone, but we can deal with someone's with sin's negative repercussions. We can keep releasing God's power and protection into their lives until they respond favorably. Now, how many of us have been in church where we heard people give testimonies about I should have been dead, but yeah. yes, yeah. I should have been in the hospital, but yeah. I should have been locked away for 25 years, but Behind that butt, there was somebody somebody praying for that person. There was some prayer behind that. Yeah. We had we had a our youngest son went crazy when he became a teenager, and we were praying all the time that the Lord would uh, remit the consequences of this, his sin. You know the, the stuff he was doing. You know, he started drinking and getting crazy and doing other things, and we were we we pray every day. You know, keep him alive, keep him out of jail, and convict him of, of what he's doing. And uh, he got through it. We didn't, but he did. When <laughs> <laughs> well, outline says, we can't make people receive the Lord, but we can put positive spiritual pressure on them by releasing the power of God in their lives. Because remember... Jesus in the model prayer says, pray like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what is his will? That all shall be saved. And none shall, none shall perish, but all shall come to repentance, to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the will of God. Do you think there's a time that the Holy Spirit may say to you, don't pray that anymore? You remember when the Fellow caught in incest, mm -hmm. and and Paul said we're going to turn him over to you know don't pray we're going to turn him over to don't have any fellowship with him we're going to turn him over to Satan. Satan yeah. There's probably maybe a time. So the guy that, messing with his mother or something. Yeah. 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 But again, it's God telling you. Yeah, He led you listening not for him. It's not. It's probably a rare thing. Like you said, He wants all to come. That's a rare thing to me. It's very rare, and it's true. That's Pray, the only time I ever heard about prayer, it was in that scripture. Yeah, prayerfully, <laughs> and definitely with someone who, you know, I think is a mature, like, believer, like, you know, that's been in a while. Because it's true, God knows the heart. Because, I mean, we got to think, what, like, David, and he was Old Testament, mm -hmm. he did you know, everything. I'm sure some of the, like, the, the people at the synagogue or whoever they did back then, it's like, King David, you know, quiet, because they were, like, off of their head, but it's like, David, oh my gosh, I did that. What God said about him? You know? yes. God, God said he was a man after God's own heart. He is so, you know, we're going to put like screw over. He is not, you know, God ain't going to talk to him anymore. He yeah. was called a God man after God's own heart, you know? <laughs> I always wondered why that verse is not in any of the other Gospels. What one? The one we just read, 23. Yeah. Admit. 
It's very powerful. Yeah. And it's in the gospel as well. And, then, right. now. and yeah, and what, what Terry was talking about, I think that happened to me a couple times. Like when you know you you you're praying consistently for someone and you mm -hmm. just and you hear stop. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the first time that happened, it was, it was scary. Like, and I and it was a scripture from Jeremiah that came mm -hmm. to mind. I was you like, wasn't you God? Yeah, yeah, you, you know, yeah, but I'm saying because that that you know, when you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you know you you're trying to exercise this authority, you know, because you want to see the person born again or whatever or delivered, but the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in the background and all of the other components and variables that we don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. That's true, because it's true. David, he was called a man after God's own heart. He would have thought, you know, he had an affair, got her pregnant, and he murdered the, you know, the, the husband. And then you, it's like, God knows. It's true. Yeah. Going back to our outline, it says, even Jesus, the perfect intercessor, couldn't convince people or set them free through his faith alone. That's strong. Mm -hmm. Now, why is that? Now, obviously, Jesus is lacking in faith. Right. That ain't the issue. Mm -hmm. Free will. Yeah, we can't violate people's free will. Free will. Yeah. Right. He loved every one of his Pharisees as much as he ever loved anybody. Right. But he couldn't. He he wasn't gonna. He gave them the choice and the, the freedom. Right. The free will. Because he's not going valid. Valid. He's not going to violate the integrity of his own word. It's, it's not. It's impossible. Yeah. And that's all we're saying. It's not about degrading God's power in any way, no. but really is honoring his word, his own word to the utmost degree. Yeah. In the last point, my outline says, all we can do is to be a channel for God's power to flow through and touch people because ultimately they must choose the Lord for themselves. And a lot of times deeds are far more powerful than words. When you're loving somebody, doing something for them that shows love is more powerful than telling them that you love them. Well, you say saying that you were just saying that this week we were talking about that. Yeah. When was it like the thing with the Walmart? I'm very about. I'm, I'm talking to so many people. I didn't have to tell them who God was. Just having a cashier, having, you know. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you, doing the. Um, so, how's your day been? Uh, well, it's been a minute. And they go, well, I hope it gets better. I really do. I want you to know, especially if you tell them really having a bad day, I go, I hope your day gets better. No, no. Right. Tell, it, it just gets to them it's like, if you have another bad day or you're having a bad time after some customer wants to give you a hard time just remember there's one who cares about you I told you about the guy that uh, during the snowstorm he came and stole wood out of my wood pile I got up the next morning and followed his footsteps I knew where he lived I wanted to go over there and fight I mean I, I, I wanted to fight <laughs> 
And I, I stayed home and calmed down, and I prayed about it. And the Lord said, uh, buy that man some wood. So, so I did. I, I bought wood and delivered it to his house. Yeah, because my intent, my, my, I wanted to hurt him. And the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh, no, no, this is what you need to do. So yeah, it's like, a lot of times it's opposite of what you want to do. Yeah, some of these pictures would be so nasty, but they're having a bad day. Mm -hmm. about knowing so many people behind the lines at Walmart and stuff. They really have no idea how to get treated. Yeah. But if you can't, if they feel so, mama cannot melt them, <laughs> they're too far gone. Because I love people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you see how, like, how practical stuff like that can be. Just imagine, okay, this person has a day at work and some boss blasting them and they, they had some issues leaving the house and then they come, they see Mary with her Bible buying some juice or whatever and she's talking all this stuff like, you know, like why don't this woman just leave me alone? I ain't trying to hear all this junk. I'm just trying to get off work. And then, you know, but you're, you know, you're being pleasant and they see some type of association with yeah. Christianity with you so that's a seed sure, yeah. it's a seed right then they go turn the radio on they trying to flip channels and they, they hear something on K-Love I'm like oh this is shucks and this is Jesus mess right but but something but they're hearing something right and then you know you, you they go home and somebody done sent them a, a, a gift package right their Christian neighbor from downstairs and like what is this but they know they see this person like, you know, going to Bible study or whatever. So they know they associate. You see, just like all these different people that this in this person's life that know the Lord, praying for this person and, and, and doing practical things, practical expressions of his love, right? Yes. So eventually these seeds mm -hmm. continue to get watered. What's the potential of that seed bearing a harvest? Mm -hmm. Right? the more fertilizer is put on that thing. I used to be a manager and I had some people that would really try to abuse me. And one guy that, that was especially good at it, uh, I was in Walmart with Terry and he's got this girl behind the cash register crying. And man, I saw him, I knew who it was right away. I scooted up ahead of the line and I got right behind him and I looked at the cashier and I'm getting her attention. And I said, don't listen to this guy, honey. He likes to get people that, that have no authority and just berate them. Uh, uh, it makes him feel good. He thinks he's a big. He, he thinks he's a big man. I mean, he he saw me. He 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 ran out of there. He didn't pay his bill, but he was in there just to just to berate this little cashier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, that's something about that somebody in authority doing that to somebody who doesn't have authority. It it gets me. It, it puts it me. It, yeah, I, you just want to you want to jump on him. Actually, I mean, you want to yeah. stop it. Then I saw the same man on the Newport News TV. He lived on the James River. I guess he had a bunch of money. He was talking to the city council and he wanted them to stop the geese from pooping on his lawn. <laughs> I mean, that's how far this guy was. This is how far out this guy was. He, he really brought that up in front of me. Okay, okay now I need the Holy Spirit to, 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 to tie in the goose poop. <laughs> <laughs> the point was, this guy, this guy loved to complain about anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they, they go, yeah, that goose poop is terrible. Though. It is. It's everywhere. I need to intercede for that at my son's um, football game. Oh, boy. 
So, you know, just, just wrapping up, right? The, 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 we have more power invested in us as a body of believers than we realize. You know, the amount of influence that we have with, with our prayers and our practical application, practical manifestations of, of love and that presentation of the gospel all working together to bring in harvest and, and to, to build each other up, you know, to build each other up, mm -hmm. right? And that's, and that's a big deal too, you know, and just being in a local body of believers, like you, the Lord can use you as a spiritual sniper to help one of your brothers and sisters. Right. So, you know, we, we, when us just walking our walk, just imagine a, a soldier on the field, when you ground level, your vision is ground level, right? But when you have an eye in the sky that has a bird's eye view, they can see an enemy many, many, many yards away. <laughs> <laughs> and they and they can they can hit a target that you won't even and take them out before you even see it. Yeah. The Lord mm -hmm. is our shield and our rear guard, mm -hmm. and He can use you and I as hands and feet to manifest that that promise in each other's lives. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, social media family. Thank you once again for joining us, and we will see you next week. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye, everybody.